0: I am no raconteur. This is not a story, it is a case. I chose it from among many very strange experiences, because it is to me inexplicable. And some of you, in the plenitude of youth and knowledge, may feel able to explain it to me. Ten years ago, the north of England was horrified by a crime, the circumstances of which may be in the memories of some of you. One of the dramatis personae was a patient of mine, and of his share in the matter I will tell you what I know. A young man named Randall Shirley, who had, I believe, made money in Australia, married a Scotch girl, a Miss Violet Rotherty, and they arrived, in course of their honeymoon travels, at Riley, the popular inland watering-place where I was then in practice. One day I received a visit from Mrs. Shirley, an interesting-looking girl, whose appearance, though not robust, was indicative of perfect health, her general air that of birth and breeding, her dress and manners attractive—decidedly attractive. We had hardly shaken hands before she blurted out abruptly, Are you good at mental cases? I am not a specialist, but I am interested in the study of brain disease, I replied. "'I come to ask you to do a curious thing,' she said, "'with some hesitation and a little added colour. "'I want you to come and dine at the hotel with my husband and me tonight. "'We have been married ten days. "'I want you to pretend to be an old friend of my family, "'to account naturally for my inviting you. "'My husband knows none of my friends, "'so there is no likelihood of his being suspicious. "'I have here written down a few details to guide you, "'in case of your being able to do as I wish.' "'such as my name, and those of my family, the place we live in, and so on. "'Do you think you could come?' "'I was surprised, of course. "'But it was by no means the first curious request that had been made to me, "'and I confess that my interest was stimulated. "'I must, of course, ask what would be the real object of my visit,' I said. "'She waited a little before replying. "'I don't want to say anything that might give you a clue.' "'she said at last. "'I want you to be quite unbiased, "'simply to watch Mr. Shirley and me, "'and to report to me faithfully afterwards "'anything that seems to be... unusual. "'After dining with us, "'you will naturally call upon me next day, "'and if you come between eleven and twelve, "'my husband will be drinking the waters, "'and you can see me alone. "'Then we can talk.' "'I said I would come. "'I felt sure she was sincere. "'Her looks declared her to be, "'in every sense, a lady.' "'and her manner betrayed an amount of controlled agitation, "'which called out my sympathy. "'Whatever you may notice,' said she, as she thanked me, "'pretend to see nothing unusual. "'I promised. "'We made the necessary arrangements, and I went to the hotel that night. "'We dined in a private room. "'The husband was a heavily-built man, about thirty-five years old. "'He was rather handsome, in a rough-hewn way.' but without his wife's air of distinction. He was taking the waters for rheumatism, and had a slight stiffness of the right shoulder. His eyes were clear, steady, very blue, impressing you at first with the idea of great candor. But I very soon began to feel that this appearance was delusive. The first thing I was able to feel sure of about him was his devotion to his wife, the devotion of a man who is past his youth and loves, as one might say, irretrievably. Whatever else in his life might have lacked the element of devotion, and I thought there might be much. He was at least a devout lover. There is no mistaking the symptoms. I felt her watching me as I watched him. I could see her eyes following mine. I could feel, and more strongly as the evening went on, that she was wishing or expecting that I should become aware of something which eluded me. I studied the man for all I was worth, as the modern youth has it. I felt myself weighing each word as he let it fall, so as to focus it upon his soul and get a clue. He was reticent, but not unpleasantly so. His manner impressed me favourably. But his eyes... his eyes were cruel, or relentless, or was it only dauntless? Why were they so guarded?' Why was the portcullis so manifestly down? Did danger threaten the citadel? So by degrees I shaped out the notion that the man was on the defensive, there was something he wanted to hide, and more especially from the girl he loved. I had found out no more than this when I took my leave. I had purposely led him on to speak of his life abroad, and he had responded simply and easily, displaying not the least unwillingness to be questioned. "'and giving some interesting information. "'But his entire preoccupation, "'that of the married lover in the early stages, "'was a little evident as the evening wore on. "'I left early on account of it, "'and made my call next morning, "'a good deal perplexed as to Mrs. Shirley's reasons for inviting me. "'She was alone, as she had promised to be, "'and took no pains to hide the eagerness "'with which her eyes questioned me. "'You noticed nothing, nothing?' she cried, in a sort of fear. Once I thought you must have seen it. It was so close to you. Quick as thought, I glanced over my shoulder. She laughed. Oh, it's not there now. It goes with him. I looked searchingly at her. She motioned me to sit down. We must talk it out, she said, in a sort of desperation. Is there something the matter with my brain? There does not seem to be, but... "'Illusions, you know, are neither uncommon nor dangerous. "'Is yours of a very unpleasant character?' "'She looked at me with a terrible look in her lovely eyes. "'You shall judge. "'It is a man without a face.' "'My dear lady, I always see it following Randall about, "'ever since the day after our wedding day, that is. "'I never saw it before.' "'She paused.' I waited, she continued in a minute. It was there, yesterday evening, standing behind his chair. It is very horrible, for where its face ought to be is only a mass of scars. It wears a kind of white mask. She broke off. Have you had illusions before? I asked, feeling I own a trifle sick. Oh, never, never have you mentioned it to him. She shook her head. "'Why not?' "'Because,' she rose, and went to ascertain that the door was closed, then coming back. "'Because... I think he knows. You think he knows? I will tell you why I think so.' For a moment she deliberated, turning her wedding ring round and round her finger, and her colour rose. She was a charming girl. "'On the morning after my marriage,' she said, Randall got up early and went out to bathe, We were at Scarborough, I dressed, and went down to the coffee-room, and as I sat at a little table near the window, he came in through the window, which opened on a veranda. This creature followed him into the room. It gave me a shock, so hideous. I began to say, oh, they ought not to let such creatures into the hotel, but the sight of Randall and his happy face and some roses which he had brought me made me forget. Then, as we sat down, I saw it was close, close behind his chair. There was something in its hand. I could not see what. I have never been able to see yet. And at that very moment the waiter brought a hot dish to Randall, and walked clean through the creature. Taking no notice, whatever. Then I knew suddenly that the thing was not substantial. I had merely taken it to be some afflicted creature stopping at the hotel, but now, what could it be? A dreadful feeling of faintness and oppression came over me. I fainted, dead away, falling on the floor in sight of everybody. When I revived, the thing was gone, and I would not speak of it to Randall, because I thought it was mere overexcitement of the nerves. Presently, I went to get ready for a walk, and when I came back into our sitting room with my hat on, There was the thing, standing behind him as he sat reading on a sofa. I went slowly up to him, nearer, nearer, trying to understand what it could be. His eyes were on his book, and he did not see where my gaze was fixed. And as I approached, it slipped its hands around his neck, over his mouth and nose, and he gave a choking (coughs) gasp, as if something were strangling him his own hands went up to his collar, he staggered to his feet, and went over to the open window as if to get air. The thing was gone, but as I noticed Randall's face and the look in his eyes as they searched mine, I suddenly remembered that once, during our engagement, this had happened before. I remembered how terribly shaken he had been, how anxious to reassure me. I felt certain then, looking back upon it, that he wanted to find out whether I had seen anything. All in a moment, knowledge flashed into me. He knew about this awful thing, but did not want me to know. Until we were married, I could not see. Now that I was his wife, I saw. And I felt that, to save him, I must pretend that I saw nothing. What a curious little catch in your breath you have, I said gaily. Do you remember you choked in that manner once before, when we were sitting in Glen Birkin? It was wonderful to see the blessed relief stealing over his face. His look searched me through, as if he could hardly believe that I was safe from having seen the horror he knew of, and he glanced apprehensively behind him in the sunny room. But it was not there, then. "'It is a muscular spasm,' he said, apologetically. "'Don't take any notice. I was afraid you would be frightened.' "'Oh,' I said, very tranquilly. "'My nerves are good, as you know.' I'm not going to begin by being nervous whenever you seem to ail anything. That would be to prepare a rod for my own back. I said it saucily to make him laugh and kiss me, and we went out for a walk. But all that day I was thinking, are we both mad? What will be the end? And I made up my mind to come to you. Last night the creature did not appear till you had been with us some time. Randall grows restless when it comes. Can medicine exorcise such a fiend? Or had I better go to a priest— I felt her pulse. It was calm and steady. I asked her several professional questions, and her answers confirmed me in the opinion I had already formed. "'The illusion, I feel sure,' said I, "'exists in your husband's brain, and is merely transferred to yours by the power of a strong sympathy. You are strongly in sympathy with him,' she assented without speaking. It was a very emphatic assent. Then, said I, it is he who should be my patient, and short of examining him I fear I can give you no help. If I could induce him to come to you, she said, but how can I without telling him that I know? But that afternoon he came to me of his own accord. Since you are a doctor and Violet's friend, he prefaced his confidence, I am going to tell you my case on condition that you do not tell her unless we both consider it advisable. He then told me that for the past two years he had been more or less haunted by the sinister apparition, which he described in almost exactly the same terms that his wife had used, a strong point in favour of my opinion that the whole thing was simply conveyed from his brain to hers. He told me that he had never in his life seen such a creature in the flesh. He had no enemies that he knew of, there was nothing on his mind. He had certainly never mutilated, assisted to mutilate, or allowed to be mutilated the face of any human being. I fully believed his assurances. The more I saw of the man, the better I liked him. I could but treat the whole matter medically. I made him up a prescription, gave him advice, and bid him consider the whole thing purely as a matter of health mentioning to him several cases in which overwrought nerves had been responsible for hideous delusions. They were leaving Riley next day, but he promised to write and let me know whether my medicine had done him good. I managed to convey to his wife the message that he had consulted me, and it comforted her considerably. From Riley they returned to Scarborough, as the air there seemed to suit Shirley better. And ten days later the whole of the north of England was full— of the Scarborough Hotel horror. Two of the visitors to the hotel were murdered in their beds, in the course of the same night. They were perfect strangers to each other. They had never seen each other. They slept in rooms on different floors, numbered respectively two and eleven. One was the just-returned manager of a sugar estate in the West Indies. His name was Gabbard, The other was Randall Shirley. The murderer was caught entirely through the description of him given to the police by the young widow. His face was eaten away by vitriol. His motive in murdering the man-gabot was clear enough. He owed his disfigurement and much other brutal ill-treatment to him. He had followed him to England to be revenged upon him. The murder of Randall Shirley was simply a blunder. The figures on the doors of the hotel rooms were in Roman numerals. The intended victim's number was eleven, and the miscreant mistook two for that number. After murdering the wrong man, he had the diabolical self-possession and resolution to go on and murder the right one. The method adopted in both cases was strangulation, but of a peculiar kind— The doctors who examined the bodies thought that some small, curious tool had been used to close the nostrils and mouth, and a remarkable feature in the tale is that so silently was the work accomplished that the young wife, asleep in the same room, was not awakened. There you have it, the only case I ever heard of in which second sight was actually transferred from one brain to another. And, like all instances of this incomprehensible gift, the premonition totally failed to accomplish the one purpose for which one can conceive it to have existed. It foreshadowed. It could not prevent the tragedy. Today's story was The Man With No Face by G. M. Robbins. It was read by Jasper Lestrange. If you enjoy the show, why not become a patron on Patreon and gain access to exclusive content? It's the surest way to help me keep creating. You can also buy me a coffee, like, subscribe, comment, share, follow on social media, and read the description for more information about the show and how you can engage with it. Until next time, sweet dreams.